Welcome to the Linwood Covenant Church Podcast, presented by Pastors Dave Osterkamp, Rachel Hart, and Chris Kelly. Join us each week as we dive into the timeless wisdom of Scripture, exploring Jesus' message of love, hope, and faith that unites us all. So sit back, relax, and let's get into this week's service. There's a young boy anxiously awaiting the return of his dad from his Friday afternoon golf game. And when dad arrived, the young boy asked, dad, how did you do today? And the dad responded, well, son, your dad got to hit the ball more than anyone else this morning. (laughs) That may or may not have been me. Everybody needs encouragement. We need encouragement for our daily tasks, as well as for the special responsibilities. And there just never seems to be enough encouragers to meet this need. By nature, we are more prone to tear down rather than to build up. And for every word of encouragement, we probably hear 10 words of discouragement. Far too often, we are guilty of taking the time to discourage someone, but never taking the time to encourage someone. You may remember the old familiar song, Home on the Range. You recall the first stanza, Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam, where the deer and the antelope play. We're seldom misheard a discouraging word, and the skies are not cloudy all day. Kind of makes you want to move to Montana, doesn't it? (laughs) Yet, even if you could move to Montana, you would still face discouragement. Friends, I believe encouragement is a hidden power that people don't realize they have. What does encouragement do for us anyway? Well, it can do a multitude of things. It can make a situation more tolerable when someone comes along with a word of encouragement. It can help us see the light at the end of the tunnel. It gives us hope. It gives us hope, and it boosts our self-confidence. It says, I'm not alone. Somebody cares enough to reach out to me. One of our hopes as a church here at LCC is to be a place where you can find that encouragement, because LCC is people. The church is people, people who need encouragement but also a place where we as people, not only as an organization, can encourage each other. Encouragement is the antidote to discouragement. Negative people, they can pollute our outlooks, and negative circumstances can pollute our hope. And these can sneak up on us and and strangle the life out of us unless we accept the challenge to be encouragers. This morning we're going to take a look at and appreciate the portrait of one of the greatest encouragers of all time. And we see in this portrait the character of a caring and giving man, not only giving out of his pockets, but giving out of his heart. And this portrait is that of a man named Barnabas. His real name was Joseph, but his peers tagged him the name Barnabas on him, which means the son of encouragement. I'm going to show an image up here. The first time I had ever given any thought to Barnabas was one summer up at Adventurous Christians. It's a wonderful place. See if you can see me in there. I'm on the first row, far left. Um, And we went up to Adventurous Christians and we were for a canoe trip, and we were split into groups of eight or nine. And after we did this, we huddled together to plan our route. And after our trip, uh, after our excuse me, after that, our trip guide would then share details about what the next week was going to entail. And so she took off her cap and she had us draw names. Um, we weren't allowed to share this name, 
uh, with anyone. It was truly top secret. And, and our guy went on to tell us that um, this, was the, this was our Barnabas buddy for the week. All right. And so my Barnabas buddy, I still remember his name was Josh. And what we were to do was we were to regularly um, encourage our buddy um, while we were out on trail, while we were portaging heavy canoes, while we were paddling through white caps, while we were trying to start a fire with wet wood. <laughs> uh, and and we were also told we needed to make a gift for our Barnabas buddy, a gift that we could only use supplies that were out in the woods. And friends, I have to tell you that it was so great in those moments to be an encourager and to receive encouragement. Um, it was so powerful, actually, and such a blessing. And as I look back on this experience, this is back from 2010, actually, um, it really was an experience in a moment um, and an opportunity that has shaped my life and my ministry. Thanks. So when we look closely at the story of Barnabas, it was a case of mistaken identity. See, Paul and Barnabas were sharing the gospel, the message of Jesus, and God was showing up and doing some miraculous things, things like healing a crippled man. The people were so impressed by the healing of this man that they said, the gods have come down upon us in human form in Acts 14, 11. See, they believed that the Greek god Zeus and Hermes had visited them. Barnabas as Zeus and Paul as Hermes. See, in Greek mythology, Zeus is the father of gods and men who rules the Olympians of Mount Olympus. He is the god of sky and thunder. So he's like Superman and Thor all wrapped in one. And Hermes is the son of Zeus, and he was the messenger of the gods, intercessor between mortals and the divine, and conductor of souls into the afterlife. And they thought that this miracle could only be attributed to supermen like Barnabas and Paul. Uh, but Barnabas and Paul were mere mortals, and they were quick to say, we too are only men like you. We're bringing the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. Chapter 14, verse 15. See, the, the qualities that made these Greeks take notice of Barnabas and Paul as supermen were actually qualities that God worked in their lives. It was Jesus alive working in them, developing their character, just like he wants to do in our lives. Barnabas wasn't Zeus or Superman, but he was a human being with God-like qualities. His life was one of character. It was a life that was committed to God. Now, the first time we see Barnabas is in Acts 4, 36 to 37. I want to read that for us. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field, owned and brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. So Luke tells us Barnabas' generous gift to his fellow believers. So here's a man who was an encourager because he saw a physical need and met it. It says here he was a Levite from Cyprus. Now, why did Luke put that in there, I wonder? I think it's significant because the Levites, up until just a few years before Christ, did not own property. They were the Levitical tribe, and when all the possessions of the Holy Land were given out, did not receive any land as they were supported by the people. During the 400 years before Christ, they began to become owners of the land, 
and some of them became very wealthy. Apparently, this is what happened to Barnabas and his family over a period of time as they began to accumulate things and possessions. And at this particular time, he and the church, looking around to, uh, to see what was happening, saw um, that the people had a need. They saw that the people had a need, so he sold some of his property and he gave the money to the apostles, saying to them, whatever the need was, to see it, that the need was met. He saw a physical need and he met it. You see, when Christ got a hold of his heart, his attitude changed. When his attitude changed, the way he handled his pocketbook changed. The way he used his time changed, his actions changed. Here's a person who, because he had the spirit of Christ, was compelled by his love, and when he saw a physical need, he met it. A story comes to mind even this week, and I was, wasn't sure if I should share it or not, but I'm going to. Um, we have so many children coming on Wednesday nights. It's fantastic. We don't have enough chairs. And I shared that need last week. And I'm not going to say the name, but this person texted me on Friday and said, um, I want to buy those chairs. However, chair, how many chairs you need, I got it. And I just think like that is somebody who heard the need. This is one example, and he met it. I love that. It's so cool, isn't it? But now, don't get the idea that you have to have money to be an encourager. So you may not be rich in money, but every one of us has so much that we can give to others as a gift of encouragement. Sick people don't need money. They need a word of concern. Lonely people don't need money. They need a word of compassion. Hurting people don't need money. They need a word of comfort. Discouraged people don't need money. They need a word of confidence. As I said, his name means son of encouragement. And what an encouragement to the early church to have a person like Barnabas who had sympathy for the condition of others and, have, and gave generously. Barnabas was a person of sympathy and generosity. He could not stand by when others were in need and he had the power to help. That is a person of character. That is a person of action. That is a Jesus follower. His sympath he's sympathetic to those in need and generous in meeting needs. The next time we find Barnabas is in chapter 9, verses 26 to 27. Chapter 9, verses 26 to 27. And I'll read that for us. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He, took, he told them, rather, how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Saul has just been dramatically converted to Christ. And now Saul has begun preaching the gospel with great power. And after escaping Damascus by being let through an opening in the wall, Saul tried to join the disciples. In Jerusalem, it says in verse 26. The problem, though, is that Saul has a past. He has a past, and it's not too godly or too friendly towards Christians. And the disciples, they don't want any part of Saul. It says in verse 26, they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. 
And that's when Barnabas steps in in verse 27. He befriends Saul and he vouches for him before the disciples, telling him of his conversion and bold preaching of the gospel. See, Barnabas knows his hand of God, knows the hand of God is upon Saul, and so he introduces him to the disciples. He puts aside his fear and befriends Saul. See, Barnabas is open to accepting new believers, even believers who have a dark past. He is willing to receive or willing to believe in grace, grace that makes it possible for a person to change, to do a 180 turn. Barnabas can see what God sees in others. He believes in a big God, a God who can do anything. Barnabas is a person of great faith and great confidence in the ability of God. You know, if they hadn't accepted Paul into that church, just think, just think what that would have meant in the Christian faith. Not to have Paul in the church. Wild thought, isn't it? Barnabas's actions encourage and they challenge me. What does God want, what does God, or who does God want me to believe in? Who does God want me, Chris Kelly, to believe in? Who does he want me to welcome, to encourage? Who is he ushering in to be an active member of his kingdom? The next time we find Barnabas is in Acts 11, which Patrice read for us, thank you, where we find him helping the new and growing church in Antioch. He was sent to Antioch by the Jerusalem church, And at Antioch, he firstly encouraged the believers to be true to the Lord. Be true to the Lord. Secondly, he brought others to personal faith in Jesus Christ. And thirdly, he brought Paul to Antioch to help teach the new believers. Barnabas had an effective ministry at Antioch. And Luke shows us a side to Barnabas that is very telling about his character. See, Barnabas was an individual who knew who he was in Christ and he was not insecure in his ministry. He was not insecure in his ministry. He invited Paul to join him, to help him. See, a person of character, they understand that they're really not a superwoman or a superman in the sense that it's all on them, that she or he has to do it all by themselves. They know that other people have gifts too. And can be used by God to help others. Obviously, it was wise to get Paul to to come and help. And Barnabas was big enough, he was a big enough person to see that. And he made it happen. So Barnabas sees how the church is flourishing in Antioch. And he brings Paul to help pastor the work. Barnabas and Paul, like they tag teamed on the church in Antioch for about one year, it says in chapter 10, verse 26. But one of the things that I noticed is that when you look in the book of Acts and you you look at the word order in Scripture, in the beginning of Acts, it was always Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. But soon Acts will read Paul and Barnabas. In chapter 11, verse 30, and chapter 13, verse 43. And not a lot of people, in my experience, are willing to take a back seat so others will get the credit. Barnabas did just that. At a cost to his prestige, Barnabas gets Paul to lead the work at Antioch. One of the things I was also reminded of from our text this week was that ordinary people make an extraordinary difference in the kingdom of God. 
Verse 19 says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and, and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. I notice that much of the book of Acts shows an apostle or a church leader spreading the gospel. But this is a time when we read nameless, ordinary people taking the initiative to spread the good news. Ordinary, everyday people can make an extraordinary difference for Jesus Christ. Anonymous missionaries bring the good news of Jesus. See, the gospel is too valuable to keep to ourselves. You don't have to be recognized as a church leader to make a difference. Hear that today. The crucial piece for you is the Lord's presence. It says in verse 21 of chapter 11, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Finally, we, read, or we find Barnabas in Acts 15. I want to read that. Acts 15, verses 36 to 41. This is a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. So sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him and had not continued with, with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So here in this text we find where he and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, discussing their trip of visiting the believers um, in the places where they had previously established churches. But here, there's a sharp disagreement concerning who gets to go on the mission strip. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, but Paul didn't think it was wise to do so because Mark had deserted them on a previous trip, chapter 15, verse 38. Barnabas, though, was willing. He was willing to give Mark a second chance. But Paul was not. And so they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark, and Paul chose Silas to go with him. And in that moment, Barnabas saw possibilities in Mark that Paul did not. Barnabas mentored Mark. He came alongside him to get him back in the work. He restored him. And later on, Paul would count Mark among his trusted friends and associates in the work of God, Colossians 4.10. There's much that I could focus on concerning the character of Barnabas. But I want to I wanna mention too that he had that God wants, I believe, to develop in each one of us here. The first is generosity. In every area of his life, Barnabas was generous, not simply with his finances, but with his time and his gifts. Barnabas invested himself in the work of Christ. He and to people in need. And he invested his life into the believers at Antioch. He gave godly counsel. He taught God's truths. He introduced others to Jesus. 
He mentored and restored Mark. Barnabas generously invested in the lives of others by encouraging them through the use of his finances, his time, and his giftings. How will you be generous with your life? How will I be generous with mine? Will you love your family generously? Your husband or wife, if married. Your children need the investment of your time, your love, and your energy, especially as they are growing in these formative years. Your neighbors, your co-workers. And what about the work of Christ, of sharing the gospel? I'm so thankful for the individuals who generously gave of themselves to help me grow spiritually. I'm grateful for godly women and men who counseled me, who taught me in words and actions the character of God, who mentored me and who prayed for me. What kind of investment are you making in the kingdom of God? I'm learning that we must be intentional. We must be intentional with sharing ourselves. Friend, make sure you're carving out time for those God has put in your sphere of influence. Discover what you're passionate about in life and let that be used generously in their lives. And secondly is grace-filled. God's grace overflowed in Barnabas' life and allowed him to see the needs around him with sympathy. He saw firsthand the believers in need and he sympathized with them. See, when God gets your heart, he helps you really see those around you. Grace-filled people are people who know that they are forgiven and that God is a big enough and sovereign enough to change anyone. Amen? There is nothing that God cannot do. Barnabas knew this and, and was able to befriend Paul when no one else would. Barnabas was not afraid of grace. His heart was wide open. He has great faith because he knows God is a great God. And he also, we also see his grace-filled sympathy at Antioch where there are many new believers and he knows that they need help, help that he can provide. And as a result, he's willing to plant his life at Antioch for a time to teach the new believers. And we see his grace-filled life at work with the way that he takes Mark and gives him a second chance. Barnabas is a friend of the friendless, but he's also a friend of those who fall short and who have failed. Barnabas went to believers in every section of the ancient city and called them together in Christ. This is painstaking work that included hours of listening. Barnabas built the disciples up by speaking the truth in love. Friends, we must encourage as well as tell the truth. Barnabas looks a whole lot like Jesus. And no wonder it is Jesus who has made him who he is, someone of godly character. And it's knowing Jesus, friends, and following him that will make you someone of godly character. I'm grateful for the godly examples that we have of women and men and youth and kids in our own fellowship who are generous, who are grace-filled, who are people of encouragement. 
That's the kind of person that I want to be. And that's the kind of person that I want you to be. For God's glory. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, as we conclude our time reflecting on the life of Barnabas, may we be inspired by his unwavering faith, his generous spirit, and encouragement to others. Lord, help us to be true sons and daughters of encouragement in our communities. May the seeds of love and support that we sow bear fruit, just as Barnabas did in the early church. Guide us in extending grace, lifting others, and being a source of strength to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's message inspired you to dig deeper into your own relationship with Christ and apply His words to your world. If you like today's message, feel free to check out Linwood Covenant's other podcasts, including past sermons. If you're looking for something to binge beginning to end, check out First Word, our first podcast series that guides listeners through the book of Mark. You can find all of these wherever podcasts are available. You're also welcome to join us for a full worship service, which streams on YouTube every Sunday morning at 9.30 Central Time. We'll see you next week. And remember, come what may, nothing will separate you from the love of Christ.